Welcome to the Recession Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. Join your host, Sam Newell, as he educates you on how to make profitable, low-risk real estate investments that will cash flow through any economy. Hear interviews with the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the country to find out what they've learned and implemented since the 2008 recession. With over 10 years in real estate investing, it has become Sam's goal to help others invest for double-digit returns, but to also stay safe and not get caught in the next downturn. Tune in and become recession-proof. Michael Burns, thanks for being on my podcast. I appreciate your time, man. Yeah, man. Stoked to be here. I appreciate you having me and looking forward to, to our talk. Absolutely. So you're the Michael Burns team or the Burns team. You do loans and homes, right? Yep. The Burns team, homes and loans is kind of our slogan. We're here in Salt Lake City, Utah. The Burns team is my wife, Kia, and I. So I'm a licensed real estate agent and mortgage lender. And then she does the real estate side as well. So we have a retail sales team, a mortgage division of, our, of what we're doing. And then I primarily focus on fix and flips here in the Utah market. Awesome. Well, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to have you on the show. One of the things that is interesting is we've had a very similar progression. I mean, we, we met at Rod Cleef's boot camp in Chicago, which was, which was awesome. By the way, your suit jacket was freaking sick. I loved it. Um, that's one of the, th the reasons I remembered you because you had this awesome suit jacket and then you were branded. So I knew you were legit because you were, you were professional looking. But, you know, I started in flipping as well. My first house I bought while I was still going to BYU, it was this crappy, disgusting house in Provo that I made 70 grand on. And then I progressed to multifamily and, and it sounds like you're doing the same thing. I mean, you have flips going, you have rentals going, and now you're getting into a uh, large multifamily. So tell me a little bit about your progression. You've done flips, loans, you have rentals. Tell me a little bit more about that. Okay, cool. Well, first and foremost, I mean, 70 grand on your first flip, that'll definitely get you drinking the Kool-Aid. So um, <laughs> I'm glad that that's how it started for you. Yeah. My real estate, I guess, start, you know, going back to the get go, getting going with real estate. So I grew up, my parents had a garden center and a nursery in Southern California. So I kind of grew up with that background. But when I was about 16, my dad sold the business and then he went out and bought a bunch of just raw land lots in the community that we lived in. And he partnered with the general contractor and the two of them started building spec homes and their timing was perfect. I mean, they sold, they, I think they built probably 15 to 18 homes over the course of two and a half, three years. And then they sold the last one right when the market was on its way down. So watching him make, you know, some pretty good money mm -hmm. and that is what first sparked my real estate interest uh, when I was like 16, 17. So fast cool. forward, I was doing a sales job, spending about six, six months out of the year on the road. And when I was home one weekend, my brother asked if I wanted to go to a free fix and flip wholesale workshop over the weekend and said, sure, why not? Let's do it. What and year was, was that? I'm curious. That, that was probably 2000, 2010. Okay. That's when I bought my first flip. So, so yeah. I wanted to backtrack a little bit with you. Your dad sold his last one as the market was coming down. So there's a lot of people getting into investing now that maybe weren't looking at the market. They didn't see when the market came down. They don't understand why it came down. They didn't know that people were getting two and three stated income loans um, on a $40,000 a year salary. So I'm curious, 
how did your dad do during the downturn and what did you see happen before you got into flipping in 2010, 2011? So he, I mean, he really limited background experience. He pretty much had money from the sale of the business, had been in this community for 25 years and really well connected, you know, with other business owners, I should say, in, in the community. So they sell in the last one, they kind of saw where it was at. So, I mean, he timed, I don't even know that I could say he timed it perfectly. Just he got lucky. was perfect. <laughs> yeah. So they got rid of that last one and then he, they just didn't build anything else. The writing was kind of on the wall. Um, and his partner that he had partnered with, he had been a contractor for a long time, kind of, you know, developing, doing spec homes, slipping houses. So really conservative guy, luckily. And, and he pretty much told my dad, uh, hey, man, it's going to get bad and it's going to get bad for about 10 years. So the guys that have money saved and are really good at what they do are the only ones that are going to make it. Mm -hmm. And so he pretty much said, this is my last deal. So they, you know, the timing just worked out really well. So okay. to this day, he actually still has some of those lots that he bought that he's just sitting on and uh, the oh, market's wow. come back pretty well there. Good for him. So yeah, it worked, yeah, worked out real good for him anyways. So, so then you, you kind of saw the market just getting trashed, everyone losing homes left and right. And, and you went to a seminar, right? Yep. Yep. It was actually a Dean Graziosi seminar on flipping and wholesaling houses right here in Utah. You know, you hear okay. those ads on the radio or whatever, yeah. come to our free workshop and they pitch their coaching. So. Cool. So you got interested and it was your brother. I think I've met him, right? Yeah. You met Tyler. He was with me in Chicago. So he was, yeah, he was there too. And you guys are still working together on flips. Now it's been about eight, nine years and, and you guys are doing well. Tell me about your flip business and how you got started. Do you use, Hard money. I mean, tell me about that progression. Okay. So first flip, it, it took a year and 94 offers. I'll say that again, because oh everyone wants to get into real estate overnight and think they're going to go do some weekend course and make millions of dollars. So we literally spent a year from the time we went to that first seminar and we wrote offers on 94 different properties till we hit our first deal. And I'll never forget writing our first offer, you know, it was super low ball. And just, oh man, what if they say yes? What are we going to do? Where are we going to get the money? You know, that whole freak out thing that you go through. And, and the response was, what is this? An unwelcome joke. So that was our first offer. And then kind of going, you know, a year later, all the pieces fell in place. We tied into the local RIAs, really spent networking and, and just, you know, taking those baby steps, getting familiar. And then our first deal, it was presented to me on a Saturday morning. It had to close Monday. I just so happened to have a, a hard money lunch lined up later that day. And I mean, everything just lined up perfectly. Closed that deal, had a nightmare of a scenario with the first flip, had to fire a contractor dealing with faulty liens on the property. So we ended up making 24000 on our first flip. I thought I had arrived, shut down, <laughs> quit my sales business and just jumped in full time from that, that point forward. Lost like $48,500 on my second flip. Whoa. Yeah. So that's, that's a big ouch. Yeah. So fast forward to where we are today. I got several hard money, private money lenders that fund, you know, pretty much most our deals. And then we bankroll some of our own stuff. And right now we're doing anywhere from eight to 12 flips at a time. That's a and, lot. Wow. And yeah, are you the only one managing that? Yeah, it's just me, me and my, my wife will handle selling all the properties. But in terms of 
finding the deals, lining up the money, managing, you know, our contractor crews, just me, I'm doing all of that myself. Wow. I got some really good contractors that have allowed us to scale up to the volume we're doing now. So, so that's so kind of where we're at. I'm going to interrupt you there. Sorry. I, I have one question. So it's funny that you mentioned you threw in an offer that they responded. What is this a joke? Because as a listing agent, I've sold hundreds of homes here in Utah and it's, it's interesting. I'll get offers like that. I'm like, Oh, I bet they just went to some type of seminar. It's like 80,000 under list price. They didn't bother calling me even letting me know that they're sending in an offer. So uh -huh. with someone who's as, as successful as you, I'm guessing there's an art to getting offers accepted and you've got that down really well now. So Absolutely. yeah, tell me a little bit more about that. Cause I'm sure there's some people that will be listening to the podcast that could use some help on how to get an offer accepted and not tick off your real estate agent or your seller. That's a really good question. And, and especially in our market, Salt Lake, it's so competitive. Uh, there's so many investors in the market that have been in the market, new investors coming into the market that are overly aggressive. So things that I do to get offers accepted, I won't have due diligence. I'm comfortable with a 10 minute walkthrough now. Really wow. high earnest money. I'll throw mm -hmm. down like 10, 15, $20,000 non-refundable earnest money. And it depends if it's an, if I'm dealing with an agent with a listed property or if it's an off market property, but really just doing, being as aggressive as you can. So one day due diligence, no due diligence. If I can get a walkthrough ahead of time, really high earnest money, I'll go non-refundable on our, my earnest money. We'll tell them we can close in as little as 48 hours or whatever is most convenient for the sellers. So I have a property that I just bought last week and I'm giving the sellers, you know, two and a half weeks after we nice. bought it and closed on it for them to take the money. So really just trying to find the hot points, you know, that the seller needs and, and accommodating those in our offer and then just trying to be aggressive. And then lastly, I like to say, Hey, you know, I'm an experienced investor. We got X amount of projects. A lot of times I'll say I have multiple flips going on in this area. We'd love to pick up another one. So really trying to throw our experience and our reputation behind that offer as well. And pretty much doing, you know, what we can to pitch the deal that you, you know, we're going to perform. Right. Well, that's smart. And, and I'm guessing you don't send offers or maybe you do, but not as many blind offers over. Uh, are you wanting to talk with the seller or the agent before you send an offer over? It, it depends. Every deal is different. A lot of, especially in our market, a lot of what I'm buying is off market stuff and there's wholesalers involved. But okay. when I'm, when I'm dealing specifically with agents or properties that are listed on the MLS, we bought two off the MLS in the last month. Both offers came in blind, so I had not seen the property, but my, the way that I present the offer to the agent is, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm the buyer, you know, I'm also the agent, but I am the buyer. I have multiple flips going in the same area. I already know what the numbers are gonna be this home based on the condition I've seen in the photos. It's gonna need a full rehab, so I know my numbers already because we have similar properties there. So a lot of times when I send in, you know, a blind offer, they're going to want, the seller's going to feel better that I at least get a walkthrough. So uh -huh. at that point, I mean, I'm, again, I'm just trying to cater to what makes the listing agent and the seller feel most comfortable with. So first and foremost, I have to sell the listing agent on my offer and right. on me that I'm going to perform. So whatever they want to see happen, some of them, you know, it's every deal's different. Every seller's different. So that's really what I try to do is just cater to the hot points that they have. So 
we do get blind offers accepted fairly regularly. And then a lot of times I'll just go in for a quick walkthrough and then I'll even say after that point, like, Hey, now that I've done my walkthrough, I'm actually comfortable removing my due diligence period at this point And I'll, you know, my non-refundable earnest money. And I'm going 10, 15, 20 grand a lot of times on single family homes that are priced, you know, 250 and under. So that's really aggressive. And I've found that that's something that really kind of makes my offers stand out. And a lot of times, like just last week, we bought a property and I know that they had offers five and $6,000 above mine, but they just felt that, you know, we were going to perform and, and that yeah. we were the real deal. So that's really that's just huge. what I try to do. Well, and I appreciate you saying that because, and the reason I brought that up is as a listing agent, I'll get offers and I don't know who the person is. I don't know why the offers so low and they've given me nothing, no information. And, and so if I were to get an offer from you, I could go to my clients and say, look, this guy's legit. I've checked him out. You know, I've, I called some people, called a reference. I'm sure you've got references and that is so much better than you know, just getting a low offer, you know, as a seller, you, you, you want to know that someone can perform and that's really important. And that's an important on fourplexes as well as multifamily. Um, on the syndication side, we do the same thing. People want to know that you can close and you're not wasting yeah. time. And I think that's really smart of you. You know, I thought just came to me and, and I am curious, I don't know if you'd be open to this or not, but for people that are listening and, you know, my friends that are working, wanting to do flips, are you open to splitting a deal for this, these people that are out knocking doors, finding deals? Would you want to take someone under your wing if they found you a really good deal? And, and would you be open to that? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And I really, my opinion has been and probably always will be is it starts with a deal, you know, so without a deal, you can't really go any further. So Right. Yeah, definitely open to that partnering. You know, if there's anything I can help with any of the audience, I'm, I'm always a call away. Yeah, and you know, that's what I'm doing more and more with my real estate business. I've trained a lot of agents over the years and it's pretty time consuming. So I, what I don't want is people to reach out to you and say, hey, teach me how to flip. Yeah. If they have a deal that you can make money on, they can make money on, of course. Yeah, please. I mean, I'll put your contact inf info in the, the notes for sure. What is the best way to contact you though? What do you prefer? I like, I, I'm old school. I just like phone calls, man. I like, I like nice. connecting with people and talking with people. My phone number is 801-999-4260. Perfect. And I'll then, put it in the notes as well so that they can, so, so they just need to give you a call and say, here's the deal I have. And, and it sounds like I'm, I'm guessing you're like me. When I see a deal, I know within a minute or two with the right information if it's a deal or not. Like I just sent you that Absolutely. and you were able to tell me over the phone, uh, it's a little bit skinny. So what kind of information do they need to have or know before they call you? I mean, obviously, you know, the purchase price, if you have an estimate on what you think the repairs are going to take, or you can even give me an idea of the condition of the property, square footage, you know, basic specs on the home. And then if you have an idea what you think the ARV or after repair value might be. And then depending on, you know, who the potential investor calling me is, you know, everyone's gonna have a different skill set. So even if you just have a deal or you have a house or you have, you know, a motivated seller, call me. I mean, I'm more than happy to spend five, 10 minutes with you, break the deal down, you know, so really anything that fits in that scenario, whether you're green and just have someone that's motivated and wants to sell a house or you got your numbers dialed in and everything in between. 
Awesome. Perfect. Well, and, and so I, I really like your progression because you're flipping and doing fantastic. You're doing a great job there, making money, doing a good job and a lot of deals at the same time. But I love that you also own rentals. You're keeping some of the deals as rentals. So tell me about your rental portfolio. And I think you said you have 12 now. Yep. We have 12 units, all single family. So of those 12, I think three or four are a duplex or a mother-in-law type scenario where we mean two units out of one property. Mm -hmm. uh, the cash flow has been good. We have really nice equity in them, but it's uh, what's attractive to me about multifamily is you got all your units in one location. So mm -hmm. I self-manage all of our properties. So, you know, we have however many different roofs, different tenants, problems, yards. So it's Where just are they, by more. the way? Where are they spread so, out between? So we're in Salt Lake City. My furthest one away is about an hour north in Ogden. So I have three units up that way. And then about 45 minutes west of Salt Lake is a town called Tooele. I have one out there and then everything else is right here in Salt Lake County. And by the way, Tooele is about to explode. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Tooele is, I think it's on the verge of exploding. And really, we're there. So with our, what's, what I really like about our, or about our flipping business is because we're really involved with the retail side too, helping buyers and sellers. I have a really good pulse on that market what people are liking the different places and mm -hmm. Tooele it's crazy man I've sold more homes in Tooele in the last 18 months than I had the prior eight years really wow so well, I think it's affordability you know yeah um, it's the only place still, left to expand in Salt Lake County I mean you have Harriman that's getting built out and expensive West Jordan uh -huh. South Jordan everything out West is built out and you can get nice new affordable homes or flipped homes out in Tooele. And how long is it into downtown Salt Lake? 25 minutes? Yeah. I mean, it's about this, the same, if not faster than the South end of the Valley. It's faster. Yeah. N yeah. Now with all the traffic, it's faster. Cause from Harriman, I think you're 35 with traffic, you're 45 minutes to downtown Salt Lake. And and we're working on about 800 doors in Twilla right now, a master plan community that we're doing with, with one of my business partners. And I just think if you can get rentals, anything out in Twilla in about, for sure in 10 years, in three to five years, you're going to be really happy and, and glad that you did. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. Nothing but upside in Twilla. I mean, nothing but upside out there. Yeah. And, and so it's for people that don't know the Utah area, it's interesting because you have mountains on one side, mountains on another side, and then a lake. So Salt Lake County is restricted by, you have Utah County below it, and then really a lake and mountains. And so that's the really nice thing about buying real estate in Utah is you know that it's not going to expand forever. It, it's not a Las Vegas where you can just keep building and building and building and, and expanding. And, and so that's one thing that as an investor, is really nice to know is is it's going to be really hard to overbuild because there's not that that much land to build on we, we we're enclosed by mountains and a lake what do you think about that aspect i agree with you 100 percent. and i mean even if you look at multi-family whether it's a duplex or you know larger full-blown apartment buildings anything in the salt lake area i mean you can't buy a fourplex for less than 600 grand it's crazy oh yeah it's, and i 
I don't, I don't know how the numbers are going to continue to work with prices increasing like that, but I mean, we're 100% agree with you for sure. Right. And you know, if you had bought land in Harriman three, four, five years ago, that was one of the last spots. I know we were selling fourplexes in Harriman for 600. I laugh when I say this $610,000, $650,000. I don't know if you've seen those, those uh, fourplex investment group fourplexes. I've listed and sold a few as resale now, and they're in the 850 to 900,000 range just in a few years. Yeah. And let's say there is a market pullback. Great. That doesn't change the aspect that we're out of land. And so now Harriman's kind of gobbled up by all the developers and now that's going to go to Twillis. So I'm really excited for people like you who already understand that, that will be keeping their eye on Twilla and, and getting those deals out in Twilla as you can, because some, somebody's going to make quite a bit of money as, as Utah Valley continues to expand. Those jobs keep coming. Amazon's building distribution centers out mm -hmm. there. I mean, there's so much growth that's about to happen out in Twilla and, and I'm excited for you and me and other people that will take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Utah as a whole, so it's a lot of, a lot of exciting things going on here. And I think huge potential for investments. For sure. So, so you have 12 single family homes, you are looking to get into multifamily. And I mean, it, it sounds like you have connection with investors so you know how to talk to investors. You have people that trust you. What is, other than having a multifamily deal in, in one place rather than spread out over 12 different investments, what else as far as risk or cash flow, what else entices you to larger multifamily uh, properties? I just think you're being overall more effective with your time, your money. There's so many things to multifamily that makes sense to me. I think, I think, it, I, I think it's a much more recession proof than probably what I have with my single families. You know, I have some single family, like I have a single family five or six bedroom house renting for like 2,400 a month. Mm -hmm. And you know, I don't, I, so I think your rents are a lot more stable and I think it's just a more recession proof business model. I also like the idea of the freedom that it's going to provide and being able to have a management team in place and, and really being able to be a true investor so yeah, I'm a real estate right. investor. I flip houses, I have rentals, I do wholesales, whatever. But at the end of the day, I feel like that's more of a high paying job and it's <laughs> always finding the next deal. So I love the idea of true passive income. Uh -huh. um, and then just the long-term generational wealth that has been abundantly clear from multifamily for all of those reasons, and it makes sense. And, oh. and just bigger, bigger deals too. I think a natural progression of, being an investor and an entrepreneur and wanting to always grow is that's the next step for me is wanting to do bigger deals, you know, sexier deals. Right. Well, and, and I see you're there in your brand new truck. Congrats on the new truck. By oh, the way. Yeah. Thank it, you. I appreciate it. I can it. tell it's a nice one. Hopefully you'll become a man someday and graduate to a diesel. <laughs> <laughs> um, Baby steps, man. Baby steps. Oh yeah. No, I, I finally graduated to a diesel and I'll never go back. You know, we're rednecks out here. I'm from Idaho, so I can, I can say that kind of stuff cause I'm a redneck at heart, but you know, talking about recession proof, that's on a lot of people's mind. I mean, I mean, you're working your rear off, you're doing 12 deals a month or working on 12 deals a month, killing it as a flipper. What are you doing to prepare yourself for the next recession? I don't believe it's going to be a big one because of the jobs, because of the things that are in place to 
keep um, my neighbor who is a plumber making 40,000 a year. This isn't a real person by the way, but from getting, you know, three stated income loans when he shouldn't be able to get more than one. So I don't think, I don't know if you agree that there's going to be a large recession like there was in 2007 to 2010, but if there is, what are you doing to prepare? And yeah, just, just tell me about what, what your thoughts are there. Well, in 2000, 2000, 2007, 2008, and really prior leading up to that, the mortgage business and the loans that were being written, especially now that I you know, have a mortgage license and I'm really familiar with that aspect of the business, is my, like it's literally mind-boggling. Um, stated income, stated assets, you know, set your payment, whatever you want. It just, it, I can't even believe that, that happened in the first place. So to think that we'll ever see that amount of foreclosures again at that scale, I just don't see what, what happens to, to even create that type of environment. You right. have millions of people trying to refinance out of an arm loan and, and now their home's worth half of what it was six months ago. So it just created a catastrophic event. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't particularly see that happening again, but w with me being an investor, you know, I got in after the crash happened. So I haven't seen a true downturn, you know, in 2013, we had a little bit of a lull and I've experienced, you know, like some four to six month slowdowns, but uh -huh. a full blown recession. I honestly haven't seen that yet. I do think it's coming about 18 months ago. I was sitting there looking like all the writings on the wall and I actually stopped buying for about three months because oh, wow. I thought for sure, you know, so I'm, I'm aggressive, but I'm pretty like, I try to be pretty calculated and conservative. And there's so many stories and mentors and friends that I have that lost everything in the crash and that mm -hmm. we're doing exactly what I'm doing right now. And then, you know, it just sh shut off overnight. So I'm, right. I don't forget that. I'm very conscious of that. And I'm always thinking about it. So I, I do think it's going to be a slowdown. I, I think possibly next year in the fall, once we see the election coming around, It'll probably see a little bit of a, a hiccup in the market and then we'll see what happens from there. So what I've done is I'm still being aggressive. I'm still buying a lot. I'm trying to pull back and stay out of the higher end market. So here in Salt Lake, you know, anything about 500,000, your buying pool really shrinks. So I'm trying to stay mm -hmm. four, 450 and below. Mm -hmm. And I think even if we do see a small turn, I'm going to be in a position where I can still dump properties and not take a huge hit where I lose everything. Right. So, I think that's really smart. And, and I think you're right. It, it could come. We're not seeing any of those same things happen. I think there could be interest rates will hike and, and that could definitely cause a slowdown, a massive dip. I think you're right. I don't think that's going to happen. There could be some financial crisis, but you know that I think that we are, we're on the same, same idea as far as multifamily that's why I'm pushing it for my investors. That's why I'm working really hard is I've had a lot of investors buy these fantastic townhomes and duplexes and fourplexes. And I think the writing is on the wall that there's going to be some type of affordability crisis or interest rate crisis and we'll dip a little bit. So yeah. if you do your underwriting correctly and you're conservative and not optimistic, which as a flipper, you have to be careful about that. And, and I'm sure that's one of your skill sets is being conservative and, and accurate. In multifamily, if you're conservative and accurate, you can ride any wave possible. And, and that's really why I've been pushing my clients to go to big multifamily 
because your risk is so much lower and and it's just easy. So sounds like that's kind of what you're thinking as well, moving into multifamily. Is that accurate? Yeah, 100% agree with that. I just think that these larger deals just pro- provide a lot of shelter and protection. Another thing we, we haven't really talked about too, though, is the tax benefits as well. It's just coming to me as we're talking. Yeah. Uh, and you're probably going to bring that up, I'm sure. But it's yeah, beautiful. you know, April 15th being a couple <laughs> of days ago, it's fresh on the top of the mind. I, I, I kind of didn't want to talk about it because I'm still depressed and how much I had to pay the IRS. <laughs> like I had to go to the gym and punch the punching bag a little bit. And I did a lot yeah. to, uh, you know, I have a lot, a lot of properties and that helped, but man, I got to figure something out because IRS took, took a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, long story short, I just don't think you go wrong with a good solid multifamily deal. You just, I don't, I don't see you lose. Yeah, I mean, you have 12 great rentals right now, but it's not really cost effective to do a cost segregation study. Whereas if you had that same amount of money in one large multifamily deal, you can mm-hmm. do cost segregation and save hundreds of thousands of dollars on taxes. And and I'm not a CPA, so go talk to your CPA, but but that flows through on passive income for the future. You know, if if you have losses from capital expenditures, you know, you buy a rehab deal that we spent like the Dallas one, we just were spending 2 million bucks on capital expenditures or rehabbing. That's a fantastic uh-huh. tax write-off one that I'm really excited for, for this next year. And I could have used quite frankly for 2018. I wish I had bought something bigger in 2018 and take it advantage of that. So do you, do you do 1031s a lot? I, I know that's a question that comes up to me with people that are getting into flipping is, are you able to 1031? Are you just paying short-term capital gains on those flips? Tell me about that. Cause that's a very common question from new flippers. Yeah. I mean, my, my accountant has our business. We run as an S corp LLC. So he's done a, a really good job of structuring it to where our, our taxes are, are not outrageous on our flips. I don't do any, I've never done a 1031 ever. I've, I've bought a lot of properties from people needing to do 1031s because of the time, you know, limits and restraints and everything there. But mm-hmm. I don't really have any experience with 1031s at all. Got it. I've done a lot of them, but most flippers, I, I just don't think it's, it's something that can actually work. So maybe we'll get your CPA's info and throw them in the notes because that is a question I get a lot. As far as 1031s, I have a ton of experience there. It's more on the long-term hold side of things. But uh-huh. yeah, to end our discussion on taxes, huge advantages in, in the large multifamily. Um, still on the regular rental, I'm sure you get some good depreciation on your rentals now. But as far as I've understood, you can about double that when you buy a large rehab multifamily deal, which would be nice for sure. So Tell me this, we have a lot of people wanting to get into flips. I feel like a lot of people, or there's a lot of individuals who are concerned that we're at the top of the market. There's always going to be money to made it, be made in flips. There's always people that have life issues, divorces, or that's how I bought the house I'm in now. It was a divorce situation. What, what advice would you tell yourself eight, nine years ago when you were just getting into flips that maybe some new flippers would benefit from hearing? That's a really good question and one that I I get asked a lot as well. So going back to me starting and and writing the 94 offers before we got a deal and being a year into it, you know, you're hungry for that first deal 
or any deal really, even today, you always want a deal. And it's really easy to make a deal look like a deal on paper. Like you can, you can flex your numbers, you can, you know, so being honest with yourself and being conservative is probably my biggest suggestion for anyone, especially the new guys. Cause it's, you know, you, you can tell yourself, Oh, I could probably get the rehab done for five grand less. And you know, the market's strong. We probably sell it for maybe five or 10 grand more, you know, and then when you're looking at your holding costs and your hard money costs, yeah, you know, I bet we could be in and out in three or four months. So it's just really, it's really easy to talk yourself into a deal. That's probably not a deal. That would be my yep. first and foremost um, Love it. thing to think about. You know, it, it's funny. We just, we wrote an offer on assisted living facility in holiday, which is a fantastic area. Oh yeah. And that's exactly what the people building it. It was 80% completed. They ran out of money and these investors, they were, you know, non-sophisticated investors. The two guys running it had just fluffed up the numbers so dramatically that I think they're in it $9 million and we're closing on one a couple miles away next week. That's the same size for uh, 5.5 million. And man, that's such good advice because there's so many people that want to do a deal so badly or they just don't know how conservative to be. They don't realize that being optimistic is, can be an absolute death sentence in real estate. You need to be realistic and accurate and, and even a little bit conservative. So I really like that advice. Well, to add to that also, I mean, that's how you should look at deals in any market all the time, but especially when we know we're peaking, just a matter of if and when it starts to level out, you know, you, you, you really got to be extra careful with that. So I would say that's, that's advice on any deal always, but especially right now, because it could be six months, it could be 18 months, but it's, it's definitely, it, it ha- we have to see a level out for sure. And in the Utah yep. market, a lot of these, I think a lot of people have been buying on speculation. So it's been awesome on my deals because I'm picking up an extra 10, 15, 20, 30 grand. Yeah. It was unexpected. So it's just cherry on top money. But I just can't emphasize that enough. Like be honest with yourself about your deals because my, my second one, I lost 50 grand and it was not a fun experience at all. Yep. That's not fun. That'll kill some people's business entirely. Yeah. So my next question is I, I, re, I try to read via audible or, you know, listening to books, but I try to do about 50 a year. I, I'm, I'm sure you consume a lot as, as well. What's a book that maybe doesn't pertain to flipping, maybe it just pertains to excess, success and, and life. What do you think would make a big difference in someone's life who's looking to be more successful or successful in real estate? I'd say there's really two topics. Uh, one is going to be sales. You're going to be in real estate. You need to be selling your offers, your contractors, it's negotiating is a key piece of it. So your sales skills, I love Grant Cardone for sales. He's, he's my staple for where my sales skills have come from. And then it's nice that he has real estate as well. And then secondly is your mindset. I recently for the fourth time finished Tim Grover's book, Relentless. That's a good one. And yeah, that's probably my, my favorite best mindset book that I've read. So mindset and sales skills. I would agree 100%. And my favorite Grant Cardone book, I think was Seller Be Sold because he just broke it down to life. Everyone's selling. You're either selling or being sold. And and if you're a school teacher, you got to sell people to the kids to listen. If you're a mom, you got to sell your two-year-old on 
eating the food. And if you're in real estate, you got to sell the the clients. So that's a really good book. Again, Seller Be Sold. And there's others that Grant Cardone does as well. And and Tim Grover's book is awesome. I I love that book. So on the fun side of things, and we just have a, a couple more minutes, but and you don't have to answer this question. I can answer it if, if you choose not to. But what's something yeah. stupid you spend money on that uh, if you were a little bit more responsible or disciplined, you wouldn't spend money on it? I mean, you just bought a new truck, but I think that's kind of needed for, <laughs> for the business you're in. And, it, and it's a good looking truck. Yeah, I was going to say a new Ford Raptor could be, could be marginal. <laughs> um, my wife and I love to travel. So I spend a lot of money on traveling, but I, I wouldn't say... I don't regret it ever. You know, I, I literally work like seven. I haven't taken a day off since February 10th when we got back from Mexico. Wow. So I'm naturally pretty conservative dude. Like it's hard for me to spend more than 50, 60 bucks on a pair of tennis shoes. Um, I manage all my own rental properties cause I don't want to give away that 10%. So I'm, I'm pretty, pretty good with that, but I, I love traveling and really don't, don't put a budget in place for it. I love spending time with my wife and uh, getting to go see cool places. Hey, let's so go hit Cabo. Have you been Dude, to Cabo? I, I, we went there last New Year's, not the one we just had, but the year before, but I, I would love to go to Cabo. That place is amazing. So that brings me to my next point is what should you be handing off that would make you an extra X amount of dollars? It sounds like you're a really busy guy. There's got to be something there that you could hand off to someone that maybe, maybe it's not fun at first, but could free up some time for you. Well, it's a great question and probably even better timing, Sam, because I building what I've built from the ground up, I'm, I'm really detailed. I'm really thorough. And naturally I think that I do it better than everyone else. <laughs> so delegating has been tough for me, but my strengths are, are out there, you know, shaking hands and hustling. So I, I really should only be spending time on high level activities, whether it's running my business from an aerial view or putting deals together, raising money and, you know, probably prospecting and doing follow up, building relationships, anything below that I shouldn't be doing, though I, I am. I mean, you can see in the back of my truck right now, I got like four <laughs> doors from Home Depot and all of that. So really this next few months is going to be about delegating, hiring a couple of people and um, protecting my time and my day to be laser focused on what I need to do. And then as we were talking off, off camera about the multifamily, I think just getting caught up in the everyday of my flipping business and our retail business has prevented me from really diving in head first and putting some deals together quicker than I have. Mm -hmm. Um, So that would be my answer to that. I've got some great property managers managers for you if you want to free up that time. Yeah, yeah um, I think we should no, talk about it. I'm the same, I manage a few of my own and every time something comes up, I'm like, why the heck am I still managing this? I should be on the yeah. phone finding a $20 million complex to buy, not not dealing with my $1,800 a month rental in, in Lehigh. But it, it, it is hard. You know, I, I'm a perfectionist as well. So I, I like getting stuff done. But Man, I, I really appreciate your time. You're absolutely killing it in the flip business, soon to be killing it in the multifamily business. I want to have you again on the show in, in, in a while once you've worked on a multifamily deal because I think people would really like to hear flipper to single family home investor to uh, multifamily. So once you do a deal, let's jump on the call again and see what yeah. you've learned. No, definitely. Let's do it. And I think, I think there's a lot of guys probably in my position wanting to make that natural progression and 
and yeah. pull down that big hundred unit. So better yet, maybe we should do a, do an on-site uh, interview, you know, when, when we have to have that. Heck yeah. Let's do it. And then uh, we can race as well. We'll race our trucks. <laughs> yeah, let's race the trucks. I am scared of the Hellcat, though. I don't. I don't think well, that's why I didn't chance. offer because you won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have a chance. I'd gap you for sure. But no, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. I'm going to put your info in the link to the show. And if you know anybody else that would be really good on the show, please refer them to me. I think you provided Absolutely. a lot of value for people getting into flipping. And and man, I just I appreciate your time and and good luck. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. And, you know, anything I could do for any of your listeners and followers, please reach out. I'm really active on Facebook and Instagram. So I think Michael.Burns, Burns with a Z is my handle. And I want to connect with everyone. And, and really, the end of the day, guys, like the networking and, and what Sam and I are doing right now and getting out there, that's where the deals happen. It's not, you know, in your comfort zone at home. Get out there, network go to meetup groups, listen to podcasts, and, and that's where you're going to find your deals.